And you know what? I, when I was listening to Nelson, and I'd never thought I'd say the word Nelson Wiseman and sexy in the same breath, but uh, Nelson talked about the sexy stories, war, convoys, you know, for at least in our research, at least foreign policy is never a top issue among Canadians. So I'm not saying that those issues are not important. And to put this into context, three out of every 10 Canadians are worried or somewhat worried about whether they're going to be able to pay the rent in the next 30 days. 14% of Canadians are eating less food because they can't afford food. So if we're talking Talking about what's important to Canadians, at least, it's really meat and potatoes issues. Because if you can't pay the rent and if you can't pay the groceries, these other issues are of interest and entertaining for sure. Can I jump they in don't they that? don't occupy the same kind of space. Just from a public opinion perspective, Nelson, you're not going to call me unsexy, are you? Kind of. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to okay. say. The curtain will soon fall on 2022, a year that started with so much optimism after two years of COVID restrictions, mandates, and lockdowns. And instead of a rebound to normal, many other issues have risen to prominence during the year. On Unpublished TV today, we look back at some of those big events of 2022 and where they may lead us in 2023. Our Unpublished Vote question is, what do you feel is the biggest story in Canada for 2022? Uh, your options, uh, the Freedom Convoy and use of the Emergencies Act, the Liberal NDP Cooperation Pact, Pierre Polyev winning the Conservative leadership race, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, or the health care crisis in Canadian hospitals. You can log on and vote right now at Unpublished Vote. Joining us to discuss this year is Nick Nanos, Chief Data Scientist and founder of Nanos Research, Tasha Carradine, columnist at the National Post and principal at Navigator. Nelson Wiseman, Professor Emeritus at the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and Tom Parkin, commentator, columnist, and principal at Impact Strategies. And I thank you all for joining us, and we'll go around the horn. Uh, Nick, uh, what do you feel were the top three stories for Canadians in 2022? Well, I would put... Uh the selection of Pierre Poiliev as the uh, leader of the Conservatives at the top of the list because it was a game changer for the Conservatives. It's going, it sets the tone for the future showdown between the Liberals and the Conservatives. And uh, he's, he's shaking things up. Whether you like or don't like the guy, he's definitely having an impact. So I put him at the top. After that, I'd actually put healthcare, And it's actually, I would say, it's not even a sleeper issue anymore because we've we've morphed from focus on the pandemic now to Canadians increasingly focused on health care and worried about whether they can access health care. And then I, I'd like to put the economy on the list because uh, people are struggling to pay the rent. They're struggling to pay the groceries. And uh, it creates a particular frame that they look at all elected officials on those things. Uh, what do you think, Tasha? What are the top three stories you think were uh, for, for Canada in, in 2022? I uh, agree with Nick on the substance, but not the order, because much as I am a political junkie, um, I don't think the average Canadian uh, is paying pays as much attention to that as the things that touch them. So I would say the top one right now is healthcare. I think it's closing off the year, especially because children are getting sick which is something that, um, you know, not only parents, but uh, but politicians obviously have to be concerned about too. So it's it's risen both politically and personally to the top. Um, inflation continues to be the cost of living, a huge issue. And again, food bank use is on the rise. Um, people know people who may not be able to, you know, renew their mortgage because interest rates are so high. So I think that that is probably number two. And number three, I will say yes, um, the conservative leadership change, which is going to impact politics going forward, um, not just for Conservatives, but definitely for the other parties as well as they figure out what the next election is going to look like. 
What do you think, Nelson? What were the top three stories for you in 2022? I think by far the top story was what I call the occupation conflict. I think it uh, was mesmerizing. We were all glued to the TV at the same time. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Ottawa was tied up for so long. What happened at the borders, billions of dollars in trade across the Ambassador Bridge were blocked. Now, I don't want to play down, downplay the uh, health care and the economy, but those are perpetual issues. I think they show up every year. I expect healthcare will become an even bigger issue in 2023 as we get focused on the negotiations between the feds and the provinces. The second biggest story I would say was the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Because if we wanna look at things like inflation, the cost of living, that's a direct consequence of what happened there in terms of oil prices, commodity prices across the board. For me, the third biggest story was the downfall of uh, Jason Kenney and the rise of Danielle Smith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, someone who'd been totally discredited uh, uh, a decade, a decade and a half ago, and now is the premier of Alberta and is challenging the federal government with something called the Sovereignty Act. Although I don't think we'll hear about it anymore. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, Tom, well, what, what are the uh, three big ones for you this year? Well, I think, you know, the the so-called Freedom Convoy was an extremely polarizing event in Canadian history. It had so many uh, implications. It, it uh, ended, uh, well, p- people people's lives were interrupted. People's jobs were lost. Let's talk about that. There, there were a group of four people arrested for conspiracy murder uh, of RCMP officers in coots. Uh, there, the, the leader of the Conservative Party was offed amidst the whole thing and launched the, really, the, the potential uh, gave a lot of the basis for the eventual win of Pierre Polyev. Uh, the inquiry that we saw that showed how poorly uh, a lot of our uh, municipal and uh, police forces were managing it, the allegations that Doug Ford sat on the sidelines intentionally to try and make Justin Trudeau wear it, um, and, and really a, a, an unclear conclusion about whether um, it was uh, statutorily, met the statutory requirement, Mr. Trudeau. Um, but the Canadian, Canadian people didn't seem to care about that so much. They think polling shows that mm, overwhelmingly they thought that he did the right thing to clean up the mess. That's, to me, the number one political story caused huge fractions all over the place. This, the second uh, huge political story is, uh, is for me, is, is health care. And there's a couple of, again, ways that it's working its way out. Uh, this is mostly, of course, a provincial story because provinces are, are more uh, responsible. But this continuous ask coming from provinces to the federal government to uh, to improve the Canada health transfer is this uh, weird ball thing in um, in this situation. Because at one time we have provinces uh, whose healthcare systems are really under stress, provinces that are running deficits. Provinces that are cutting health care and then the same provinces saying, Ottawa, we need more money. So what is the average Canadian supposed to take from this other than maybe these premiers are the problem uh, and give, again, Mr. Trudeau the break? Uh, The third story, um, you know, uh, I I think, you know, Norman Ripley hits it on the the head about the issue of the war and how that uh, increased gas prices worked its way into everything, inflaming costs and um, the frustration of everyday life that a lot of people are seeing and the result that we see uh, in our communities. 
You know, now Nick, you brought up uh, the economy or threw that yep. one in, and that's fine. You know, we have skyrocketing prices for pretty well everything that's eating into into well our savings. Affordability has now engulfed all of our spending considerations. Do you expect this to drag long into 2023? I think so. And you know what? I, when I was listening to Nelson, and I'd never thought I'd say the word Nelson Wiseman and sexy in the same uh, in the same breath, but. Uh, Nelson talked about the sexy stories, right? War, convoys, all that kind of stuff. You know, for at least in our research, at least foreign policy is never a top issue among Canadians. So I'm not saying that those issues are not important, but I'm just talking, I can only speak to what Canadians believe are important and the stories that are important to them. And to put this into context, three out of every 10 Canadians are worried or somewhat worried about whether they're going to be able to pay the rent in the next 30 days. 14% of Canadians are eating less food because they can't afford food. So yes, do they care about the convoy uh, protest and the disruption in Ottawa? For sure. Are they worried about what Ukraine means for global security and stability and what it might, might mean? But if we're talking about what's important to Canadians at least, it's really meat and potatoes issues because if you can't pay the rent and if you can't pay the groceries, these other issues are are of interest and entertaining for sure. But um, Can I they don't they that? don't occupy the same kind of space. Just from a public opinion perspective, Nelson, you're not going to call me unsexy, are you? Kind of. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to okay. say. I'm going to say your numbers are, are spot on. There's no problem. My question is a social scientist. Is yeah. How different were they from last year? You see, I think last year people talked about health care. Last year, a lot of people said they had a hard time meeting the rent. The no. reason I identified Ukraine, you, uh, you're a student of, of, uh, of public opinion today, and I think that's terrific. But I'm looking at what is driving public opinion to be about the cost of living. Yes. So I have to take that broader scope. And I related, as Tom said, look, those gas prices went up. Why did they go up? War in Ukraine. So, okay, that's a sexy story. That catches my attention <laughs> because I think that's what drives politics. Yeah, I could. I would say that. What do you think, Nick? No, no. You, you know, I'm going I'm to say Nelson's right because he's always right. But, no. you know, my point is, is that it's kind of like we'd always talk and Tasha and I have talked about this before. What makes for good public policy doesn't always make for good politics. So what Nelson is talking about are the, are the issues that we need to talk about that are the underlying factors that drive a lot of the things that people are worried about today. What I'm talking about is kind of what's top of mind uh, among, yeah. among Canadians. Now, the thing is, Nelson, we do know that during the pandemic, Canadians reported that the state of their personal finances was better than it ever had been, especially when the when the stimulus was uh, going out. So, you know, the thing is, we're going into a period now where the pandemic looked like a pretty good time for a lot of average Canadians because of the support that they received from the federal government, which they're no longer getting. Now we're in a, in a bit of kind of we're back to the olden days where, you know, we're dealing with a potential recession and downturn and other stuff. If I could jump in for, for a sec, I think actually it's interesting because all the issues we're talking about are related. I agree with Nelson that the underlying causes, such as the war in Ukraine, are driving some of the affordability issues we're seeing. But politically, that's not what's being painted. And that goes to, you know, Pierre Polyev, who was supported by the convoy. That was one of the elements that helped him, propelled him into uh, the leadership of the Conservative Party. 
but look at what he is attributing uh, inflation to. It's just inflation, right? So there's a whole aspect. I agree. Foreign policy doesn't, it, it can be a contributing factor to so many things, but because it is not a sexy, let's say that word again, um, issue for voters, uh, politicians rarely point to it as the cause of people's malaise, whereas domestic policy, rightly or wrongly, is being fingered for that. And I will say, while healthcare was an issue during the pandemic, because the, the shift is now onto children, I think, no disrespect to older Canadians, it's become more of a live issue. Uh, education was a huge issue for parents during the pandemic because their kids were out of school and underfoot. Now, again, parents are up in arms because they are waiting, you know, 14 hours at CHEO to have their, their child seen when, when they're ill. So, you know, they're a very vocal group and um, politicians pay attention to them. It's a family vote. So I think that is going to be driving a lot of what we see in 2023 going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, Ed, the, the points we made that, you know, health care and, and the economy are always leading issues. Well, because that's what's most important in our lives. You know, if you, if you yeah. can't get a job, if you can't make a decent life for yourself and an income, if you don't have social, some level of social security and good health, well, life isn't very pleasant, is it? So that's a constant. Then the worrying thing, I think, over the last, uh, but certainly over this year, is that both of them got worse. Uh, it, it seems like this, you know, pandemic, uh, not only is it uh, not really going away, it's morphing, but the management of it uh, really doesn't uh, get any better. and. We, we went from uh, a place where, uh, you, you know, because of, or largely because of the war, because of oil prices, we had inflation. Now we're going to have recession. So, you know, people are batting down. We, we've already taken collectively a huge wage cut across this province, uh, across this country. And, and, and now we're going to pay for it with, uh, you know, higher interest rates driving a recession. Uh, so that's going to be a tough part of uh, 2023 is uh, to for the politicians to try and come out with something that makes any sense uh, about a strategy to um, get the economy back into growth mode and start recovering some of the wage losses that we suffered in 2022. And, um, you know, with all respect to Pierre Polyab, his nonsense about just inflation, and I'm no Justin Trudeau fan, but gosh, you know, <laughs> he didn't cause the inflation. This is a global phenomenon. He has some responsibilities to address it, as a premier's can as well. Uh, but that kind of nonsense is, is is just nonsense, and it gets in the way of us solving our problems. So I wish all the leaders who want to be leaders uh, a lot of good luck next year. Okay, well, just following up on that, does the Liberal NDB coalition solve that problem, at least until 2025? It, it'll be interesting to see if uh, with, a, with a recession on the, on, in the horizon, uh, whether there will be a turn in that relationship, uh, in that the uh, that Singh will start pushing more, uh, more with more focus on economic matters. Obviously, that the intent and the deal itself is around dental care, it's around pharmacare, uh, and it's around uh, just some transition strategies for their, for energy workers, oil patch workers. That was kind of the core of it. Little pieces around housing, but there wasn't really something about jobs and growth. So I think it would be interesting to see if he can use his power that he that he has been able to, uh, you know, he has been able to get things out of the, the prime minister, uh, whether he's going to start to try and use his power to move in a new direction in 2023. We'll see. I, I hope he does, because, as I say, I don't have much faith in Mr. Polyev. Uh, and I think, the you know, obviously uh, what we've suffered in 2022 economically was a, a huge setback for a lot of people. 
Yeah, Nelson, you brought up the uh, as one of your top three, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it captured headlines, and it's made a name for Volodymyr Zelensky. Many had figured Russia would roll over Ukraine, and that that hasn't happened. Is it the NATO support, the willingness of Ukraine to fight for its autonomy, or is is it Russia's just poor military showing? Mm-hmm. I think it's all three. Mm-hmm. They've all been factors. I mean, we're all surprised. I mean, when you heard about a 40-kilometer convoy of tanks heading toward Kiev, we all thought it was going to fall. Yes, Zelensky's a hero. Yes, NATO's played a big role. Uh, hopefully that'll continue. And yes, the uh, Soviet army, which is essentially still what it is, apparently, the way it operates, uh, it has demonstrated that it isn't uh, all that efficient. Now, can I, I, I want to say something about a couple of other issues, like sure. because two people, Tasha and, uh, well, maybe all three, uh, Tom and Nick and Tasha all mentioned Polyev. Uh, what strikes me isn't uh, Polyev sort of uh, attacking Trudeau for inflation. That's standard. You're going to always attack the government, blame the government for whatever is going on. What, what strikes me is how he's discredited himself by pushing cryptocurrency. And indeed, if this also surprises me. I thought after he became selected leader, the conservatives would really skyrocket in the polls because that often happens. You get a fresh face, a new person. People are tired of Trudeau and they would do very well. But when I look at the polls now, and here I defer to Nick, hey, you know what really strikes me? The numbers have barely moved since the last election or the election before that. So I don't see Polyev yet. Although I think the conservatives are really well positioned to win the next election. But right now, that's not, that's really not in the cards. What do you think, Nick? I don't, I don't think uh, Pierre Poiliev wants to be popular right now. I think he wants to raise money, which is why he's hostile to the media. Uh, you know, he'll take the liberals on, on the gun control stuff that, you know, if, if we're talking about an election that could take place, you know, year, a couple of years from now, uh, why put on the sweater? Everybody knows that. Tasha knows what I'm talking about. When Stephen Harper put on a sweater in order to be the warm and cuddly Stephen Harper before he was prime minister, didn't work very well. Um, so I think uh, I think Pierre Poiliev is is basically focused on building organization and raising funds. Uh, that means that he'll be continue to be confrontational with uh, with the media. He'll continue to do the usual stuff like attack the liberals, but also question uh question how, or put a spotlight on how he believes our institutions are failing us and uh he's just he's just going to focus on raising money so nelson i think uh i think he i i think he's going to he's going to forego popularity in the short term because he knows that those hot button issues open up for a segment of the populace like a minority segment of the populace they open up their wallets to give money and uh I, I I predict we we're still going to have a hard edged out there Pierre Poiliev for at least a year, year and a half, and then we'll have a maybe a kinder, gentler Pierre Poiliev. At least if he wants to win an election, which is tough for the Conservatives, mm. the way the calculus is right now. I think that's an excellent analysis. Jump yeah, in, Tasha. I, I'll chime in too because I think, from what I know, um, the Conservative Party is taking a very different approach to winning the next election. Um, they are foregoing the uh, progressive, conservative, traditional uh, vote in favor of people who have never voted. Um, I won't call it a Trump strategy per se, because they're not pressing the same 
xenophobia buttons that Trump pressed for that vote. But they are catering to and they're looking for the votes of people who have never voted. Who are those people? They're mostly younger. Um, they are disenfranchised. They are mostly they're less educated. They are poorer. They are being left behind by the current economy and they are upset. They are angry. And you saw a subset of the motivated for the leadership, which worked very well for Mr. Polyev. And I think the strategy is really to continue cultivating that vote. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Polyev is going to not appeal to a, a distinct segment of a conservative party as it stands now, which is what he demonizes as the elite. And uh, that elite, if you will, uh, includes a lot of progressive conservative or um, people who describe themselves that even uh, middle income people. And so it is it is a, a strategic shift as to what the conservative party is. It's looking for vo votes of working Canadians as well. Um, and it remains to be seen that will be successful if there are enough of those people and the distribution of those people across the country in ridings is enough to win. And Nick's nodding. So I'm sure he's done polling on this, too. Um, but that's what I see rolling out. So it's actually they're looking a bit at the NDP lunch, frankly, on this and voters who might traditionally uh, are not ideological, but they're looking for answers to help them avoid that food bank, avoid slipping into through the cracks. And Mr. Polyev is promising to do that. Yeah, I think, that's, you know, interesting. But, you know, Tasha, we're not going to have a federal election next year and probably not the year after that. Um, I think they have to, to have one in 2024 now. Am I mistaken? Uh, no, 2025. Yeah, 2025. But in, you know, <laughs> we'll, and we'll see. Maybe something goes horrifically wrong between Singh and Trudeau, and, and we do. But you know, I think the odds are heavily against it. What we will have next year is elections in Alberta and Manitoba. And um, you know, I think Manitoba is very certain to, to uh, turn return an NDP government. Alberta, less certain. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But certainly a very good chance that Rachel Notley is the premier by this time of next year. Uh, and so that would make three provinces in Western Canada. And then we've got Mr. Ford, who is, um, you know, uh, he, he told everybody that he evolved uh, just before the next election. Uh, and obviously he clearly had not. He got elected and, you know, he started reducing democratic rights. He used notwithstanding clause. He tried to uh, cut the wages of workers. I mean, the, the whole green belt thing and, and, and the, these the, the the incredible amount of money that some people who were happened to be his buddies and his and his donors uh, made off this deal. I mean, it's really souring the opinion we saw in uh, sorry Nick a competitors polling uh, okay. year end polling that showed you know that he dropped eleven points his personal popularity dropped eleven points since just June. So you know, and then you know the NDP has a very attractive candidate who's going to become the leader shortly in March style. So. Um, where do, in, in, in 2023, at the end of 2023, I think we're like very, we're going to have an NDP government in Manitoba, likely in Alberta, and, and a stronger presence in Ontario. So, where does that leave Polyev, Singh, and Trudeau in 2024 for the run up to an election in 2025? I think it depends heavily on how those leaders, those NDP leaders, perform in doing the things that Mr. Polyev is also trying to do, which is to help people who have taken a big hit because of inflation, who are suffering because of the state of our healthcare system, who are working and feeling like they're falling behind. And if I could just add, sure. I think, Tom, that it would be exceptional if the if this agreement lasts till 2025. I think that would be, I don't think it's a gimme, because one thing, and this is outside of the realm of of uh, public opinion research, but one thing that I do know that I would be very confident in predicting is that the Liberals will have a scandal or controversy. I don't know what it's going to be. 
because governments always are in trouble. Everyone's it will be while. sexy, whatever. Yeah. It is. Well, yeah. I don't know. Good. <laughs> but it'll so. But there will be a controversy or a scandal of some sort in the yes. next two years, and it will lead to an existential discussion for the NDP because they will be the party that's seen as propping up the Liberals. And to your point, Tom, their numbers are going to look kind of good in the low twenties. There'll be some new NDP governments in a couple provinces, and they're going to go. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we can't on principle. And uh, so I think I think it. There will be pressure for this to unwind as soon as there's some sort of controversy, yet unknown, but that there will be like because there's always something that governments have to deal with. Yeah, that's that's true. It, it's it's ironic when you mention the fact that you know Paulia being abrasive and just focused on on fundraising. Well, that kind of leaves you with a blind spot because the liberals yeah. could just pull the plug and then oh, that that's the person you've got to take to. The it's polls. too late to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm kind of wondering. Okay, so let's uh, let's go around the uh, horn uh, at the end here just to look ahead to 2023. Mm-hmm. And and Tasha, what prediction do you have is is a big issue that's going to dominate Canada next year? Well, I think it's the economy. I don't say economy stupid, but the economy, um, where will things go? Gas prices have dropped a bit. Um, That could be temporary. But uh, the worse the economy gets, I think the better for the conservatives, the harder for Mr. Trudeau. Um, So that's the issue I'm going to be watching. And that will depend on a bunch of factors, including foreign policy, including those underlying issues uh, that affect uh, economic performance. And uh, Nelson, uh, what do you think? You know, one word that hasn't come up in our conversation is Quebec. It's almost a quarter of the country. I think a big issue is going to come up in 2023 over court cases, over bill, uh, various bills in Quebec, uh, 96 on language, 21 on, on religious symbols. Now we've got a bill four, which says you can become a member of the uh, Quebec National Assembly without swearing allegiance to the Queen, uh, to the King. Most people feel that's okay, but it's a violation of what the Constitution says. So if a citizen out there wants to bring that to court, that'll come up. So I think that's potentially, if the federal government decides to get involved in those cases, then we're going to have a Quebec-English-Canada trade-off. The other thing I would say, I'm intrigued by the NDP uh, liberal uh, arrangement. It's certainly not a coalition. Justin Trudeau is very much the prime minister of Canada, and there are no NDPers in the cabinet. That's what a coalition would be. I completely agree with Nick that it won't last, but it doesn't have to last. The NDP didn't have to get in 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 an agreement because there's no way the NDP wants to bring down the government. It's not, it's not the alternative government. The best the NDP can always hope for is to a minority government where it can exercise influence over the NDP, over the Liberals. Tom, what do you think is the biggest story or what will be the biggest story for 2023? I, I think it will, it will continue to be the economy and, uh, and healthcare trying to resolve those. And again, pointing towards provinces heavily because so many of these issues are within provincial jurisdictions, certainly healthcare. And again, my feeling that, uh, you know, these have always been, these are perennially the most important issues and they've gotten worse. People feel that the economy has gotten worse and that our healthcare system has gotten worse in 2022. So combine that uh, with some unpopular governments coming up for election. 
uh, is some changes that will affect um, the, 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 the discourse in this country around federalism. Uh, I, I mean, I will make no bones of it. I hope to hell that Daniel Smith is defeated and Rachel Notley is elected. Uh, and I say that as an Ontarian, uh, but I say it also because I, I, I think it would be best for Alberta. But as an Ontarian, I say it because, you know, I don't think we can be a successful country with Daniel Smith as a premier. And uh, I think, I think uh, Rachel Notley has already proved herself to be incredibly competent, uh, but also not a pushover. Um, you know, so there's uh, with different premiers in place uh, who aren't liberals and aren't conservatives uh, running larger places. Um, there may be a different, uh, different dynamic that takes over the country. And I frankly think that that would be okay. I'd be uh, quite pleased if we weren't um, continually told that the premiers are, are ganging up on Justin Trudeau. That's never quite the story. Um, it's, it's always more nuanced than that. And uh, getting rid of a few conservative premiers, uh, I think, would help balance the story and try would probably be more effective, frankly, at, at eking out some federal health care dollars from uh, for Mr. Trudeau. And Nick, I, I'm going to guess you're still going with the economy or, or health care. Well, I'm still I'm still going with the economy. I hope I'm wrong right. on that. And I hope I'm wrong on what I think the sleeper issue is because because it's been brought up. And that is a crisis in the Federation. Um, I think the the Alberta election, you know, she's going to run against Ottawa. And you know what? People might think that the premier is out there, but they hate Ottawa. And and I would expect that the United Conservative Party in Alberta is going to portray the uh, the NDP as too cozy with Ottawa, and uh, Albertans will be cross pressured on that front. And then you know, it'll be interesting to see what Saskatchewan does. I think Nelson has already put his finger on uh, Quebec. Ontario might make some noises about having more power over things like immigration and and stuff like that. And uh, and it'll just uh, that I think that's a sleeper issue that we have to watch out for because people think that the country is not working well. We're going to have bickering at the federal and provincial levels. We're going to be in a recession. It's going to be ugly. How's that? All right. Well, uh, uh, thanks. Uh, great discussion, everybody. I want to thank our guest today on Unpublished TV, Nick Nanos, Chief Data Scientist, Founder of Nanos Research, Tasha Carrot, and columnist at the National Post, Principal at Navigator, Nelson Wiseman, Professor of Emeritus, uh, Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto, and Tom Parkin, Commentator, Columnist, and Principal at Impact Strategies. We'll be off for a few weeks to enjoy the holidays and recharge for 2023. Thanks for watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.